Hey, welcome back to spring training. It's Dom Catronio here on Brewers Extra Innings, right here on your home of the Brewers 620 WTMJ. This week, we don't have a live Brewers Weekly because, well, the Bucks are playing, and they're playing well. So we are not live here on this Thursday night like we normally would be, but let me get you a really fun interview we taped this week, similar to our Brandon Woodruff sit-down. We are chatting with Mike Brasso this week, and we talk about his blue-collar backgrounds. Uh, we, of course, talk about the home run with Aroldis Chapman. And before we get into that, I would really encourage you to check that piece out. It's available now on YouTube. Uh, I'm just Dom Brewers WTMJ on YouTube. And we actually break it down pitch by pitch. It definitely comes across better with the video aspect. You get to see the pitches. You get to see what he's talking about as opposed to trying to paint the picture in your mind. He still talks about it here in this podcast episode. I play it all the way through. But there's some really interesting anecdotes in here that I had no idea were the case talking about his swing, talking about Willie, things of that nature. Mike's a great dude. Uh, We had some fun at the very, very end as well, so keep an eye out for that as well. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. You can follow me on Instagram, Dom Brewers WTMJ, just like the YouTube, Dom Brewers WTMJ. We got plenty more of these conversations to come. We got a couple more lined up for you, so I'm really excited about those to come here as well. We're going to continue spring training coverage all the way until the end. So uh, today the Brewers are taking on the Giants in Scottsdale. Uh, And then this past this upcoming weekend, they'll be uh, on television again on Valley Sports Wisconsin and also available through our network here with uh, WTMJ as well as ESPN 94.5. So a lot going on here for the Brew Crew in 2023 spring training. So stay with us. And uh, enjoy the conversation with Mike Brasso. Two bald bros talking here on the podcast. Thanks for making some time for us today Absolutely, absolutely. So let's just kind of go back to the beginning. I think your story is kind of a little undertold of not drafted, Oakland University. Uh, Let's just go back to, you know, senior sign as well. Like, what was it like leaving your junior year trying to figure out what's going to happen then coming back for your senior year, can you bring us back to, to those original days? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, like you mentioned, went to Oakland University, not the um, like highest touted university for baseball, um, but they were the ones that kind of gave me an opportunity. A lot like, um, we'll get to it, but a lot like my pro career was, um, you know, I only had one opportunity out of high school. Um, Division One, they were kind of the ones that, for better or worse, kind of just gave me the most money out of high school, which was, um, you know, it's a big thing. High school to college, a lot of people kind of take finances into the equation, um, and that was the best opportunity for me out of high school. So very underdeveloped, um, under-recruited, not under-recruited, just not as recruited as highly as, um, you know, becoming a a big league ball player, one might think. So uh, I think I was like 145 pounds soaking wet coming out of high school. Oh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, went to Oakland uh, freshman year, realized very quickly that something needed to change when we, you know, go play. I think we opened up against Florida State my freshman year and playing against, you know, 6'2", 200-pound dudes out yeah. there, and I'm over here 145, like just poking it to the right side. So I'm like, <laughs> if I want baseball to be a career, something's got to change a little bit. So... That's kind of, I think, that's when I kind of go back and realize, like, that was a little shift in not only becoming, you know, good fundamentally, um, you know, smart ball player, but also you got to add some physical part into the game if you want to go a little bit farther. So I think that's kind of where that started as far as, you know, transitioning the body um, to tag along with the mind. But, um, but yeah, to your point, uh, you know, I had a couple of good years, freshman, sophomore year, junior year, like every other 
you know, college baseball player, you're kind of looking towards the draft if that's, you know, your intentions. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of where the power numbers went up a little bit uh, from compared to freshman, sophomore year, but the average might have dipped a little bit. Um, still was obviously hoping and praying for an opportunity, but didn't happen after my junior year. And then, you know, same thing, senior year. So then as you were you sitting like listening to the draft like take me into the room with yeah. your family there like yeah, what, what were yeah. those those few rounds of, especially at the end because it's 40 rounds back then yeah still. Yeah. yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, take me into that yeah i remember um so junior year i was out playing uh summer ball i was out i want to say i was in so that would have been the prospect so i was in west virginia um just like you know a bunch of i think it was like pre-game um before one of our games you know uh, you know with a couple guys uh teammates of mine for summer ball and they're watching the draft i'm watching the draft i never really i never really had too high of expectations of my junior year draft just because there wasn't much conversation with uh you know deep conversation with scouts you know um you know if you ask you know guys around the league they'll be like you know i had somewhat of an idea of where i might go or who might take me I had a couple conversations with some uh, scouts and some teams, but it, it never really got too too deep. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like a fingers crossed thing. Um, if it happened, great, but I wasn't really expecting too much. Um, senior year, a little bit of a different story. Uh, I think that was my best production year. I think you know that was kind of where I put you know all my eggs in one basket. I was I was really dedicated my senior year. I knew it was my last opportunity to kind of get into pro ball. Um, and I, I performed really well. I, I, I think I put up to this day. I still think I put up the numbers to to get me on at least a couple of draft boards. Um, life happens, unfortunately, not the way that you, you expect it sometimes. And uh, it unfortunately didn't happen. Um, and you know that could that probably tied into a couple of things. Like I mentioned earlier, you know we weren't you know a powerhouse. Power Five conference team. Uh, our work, our record wasn't great. Senior, you know middle infield draft guy not too many scouts are going to come out so i see one guy on a team you know that might be like a 30th rounder type thing so you know i think that all that kind of bundled up into yeah like i said just not really get on too many draft boards and and not really having a guy that would go out of his way to to convince a, a gm or a team to to take a chance on a draft for me or a draft pick so yeah it was unfortunate i remember so yeah so i was in the prospect league playing summer ball junior year senior year Obviously, you're not playing summer ball, so I was. Uh, we had like a ramp. It was our our baseball field. I was still in school, um, you know, summertime, um, and our baseball field had like a. It was in like a bowl, like down below, and there was a parking lot up top. And I was just like in my car listening to like the the draft pick thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like it was a pretty lonely time, honestly. Oh, it it was it was down in the dumps for sure. I was just by myself, kind of just like you know, thirty. First round came and went, 35th round came and went. I was like, please, just, you know, some, like 38, 39. Like, I'll take a forward. I'll be the last guy in the draft. I just want to go play some pro ball because I didn't know what else. Like, like I said, I had all my eggs in one basket. I didn't know what I would do if I didn't play baseball, which is a scary thought to this mm. day. Um, so, yeah, uh, came and went. Um, super down in the dumps. I was lucky and, and fortunate enough to have one of my assistant coaches, uh, Jackie Healy. Got super close with him. He lived in the area and told me to come over. We just hung out, talked about it a little bit, threw out the idea of independent ball, what's next, um, really just trying to get me back to center because, like I said, it, it was to this day probably the lowest point in my life. Um, and then 
you know, the stars kind of aligned the next day. I got a call from my head coach at Oakland, uh, John Masaccio. Uh, he asked if I was still interested, if I would take an opportunity. I told him, yeah, anything you got for me, I'm going to go jump on it. Um, an hour later, I got a call from uh, the Ray Scout, uh, James Bonici, and we signed the, the free agent deal. Literally, uh, it was like at the local like restaurant bar right across the street from our university, like at the bar top. We had like lunch. I think I had a French dip sandwich, and we signed a professional baseball contract. That's so incredible. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy story. It's really amazing to kind of look back on and see where it all started. But, yeah, Red Ox, Red Ox Tavern is where we signed it. Shout out to Red Ox Tavern. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Free ad there for them. But yeah. let me, I mean – Obviously, it's kind of weird that everybody knows what you make and everything, but to know, to go from a $1,000 signing bonus on that professional contract right. to now a pre-ARP guy, million dollars, I mean, this has been one hell of a ride for you. Mm -hmm. Has it sunk in for you, for your family of, you know, truly what you were described to from a friend that told me is like he's a blue-collar guy from a blue-collar family. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from and has it really hit you of being in the big leagues and having a, a real role in the big leagues too? Yeah, I, I, I think it, the money side, I, I've never really got caught up into. Um, I, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to have my my parents that kind of helped me out a lot throughout college. Um, you know, we, we weren't, you know, over the top uh, as far as money goes, but I got everything I ever wanted, ever needed. Um, and, and they helped me a tremendous amount, both in college, minor leagues. Obviously, that's a grind um, financially. So I, I was very comfortable. I wasn't I was comfortable enough to do what I needed to do um, as long as I stayed on the right track. Um, so I, I don't think that the money factor has ever changed in the lifestyle. I, I, I mean, that is really, it's a, it's a good security um, kind of path, but it, it hasn't really changed how I perceive life or, or how I go about my business. Um, I still like to consider myself a little blue collar guy. Um, so I appreciate the friend uh, that, that kind of describes me as that. but. Yeah, I, I, it's it's full circle, man. It, it's a it's a blessing. It's 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 something that my parents and I talk about every off season. Just another you know year journey. Um, we did the same thing even when I was in the minors. It's just like how grateful we are to to still be able to to put on the jersey. Their favorite thing to do is you know obviously come see me. I'm an only child, so it's you know they've been empty nesters since I was 18 and left for college. So. That's kind of how we connect with each other. Obviously, living life on the road gets tough to, you know, keep base, keep touch, like touch base mm -hmm. um, here and there. So when they can come out and we can have a weekend together, now that I'm especially here in Milwaukee, it was a little bit tougher for them when I was with Tampa to, to kind of fly down to AL East um, and down in Tampa. But Milwaukee's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from, from where I grew up. So it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, the stars are aligning, family's happy, and uh, yeah, we, we count our lucky blessings every day. Let's talk a little ball, though, too. I mean, yeah. you get that opportunity. You really took off with it straight through the minor leagues. You, I was looking at your baseball reference. Like, you went to Perth. You, yeah. you had a heck of a winter down there in Australia. Yeah. It, you really were a guy that took your opportunity and ran with it, and you really made the Rays happy, obviously, making your big league debut. I mean, what was your approach? What was working for you coming through the minor leagues, developing as the player you became? Yeah, I, th I think it was the mindset that I had. I think it was I knew that I didn't have much weight on my shoulders. So, and you brought up Perth. It was some things that like, you know, that opportunity is brought up to other guys in, in minor leagues. And, you know, some guys kind of be like, I'm going to enjoy my off season and, you know, recover, whatever. Um, they brought that up to me. And, you know, that's them telling me or me at least thinking that they're telling me that they want to see more of me or, you know, get better, progress, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, 
played Perth, Dominican, um, kind of all around, you know, the world. And uh, I think that was, I think that helped me kind of open more eyes and, and prove that, you know, it's not just, you know, a, a one good season. It's, you know, I, I can go out there and play and I can compete at, at a high level. And um, I was just, you know, I was just never say no kind of guy. You know, somebody wanted me to, you know, that's kind of how I turned into more of a utility guy. I came up through college, only shortstop, you know, all the way from Little League through college, only shortstop and first day in pro ball, I quickly realized, like, that's not going to cut it. Like, I can't just say I'm going to play one position, right? So same thing as far as playing-wise. I think it was more of, like, this is this is the opportunity that I'm given. Um, if I fail, then, you know, I might not get another one. So we got to make the most of what we got. What do you take pride in the most in your game? You know, what, what do you say, like, hey, this is – this is what I think I'm known for. What I do, what I do really, really well. I think I, I, I like to think I just compete. I, I, I think you know, anytime I step in the box, I want the pitcher to, to remember it, you know, or to know this is going to be a tough at bat. Um, I like to, you know, with that mentality, I think you kind of realize the game situation a lot. Um, you know, what a, whatever job needs to be done, get them over, get them in, um, start a rally. Um, you know, we come off of a long. You know, there's so many possibilities. We come off of a long. You know inning in the defense in defense and you know I'm not quick making a quick two pitch out type thing um I think there's a lot of different paths that this game each and every game you're out there there's a lot different ways to win there's different ways to play um each game is completely different that's why I love baseball it's you're, you're not seeing the same thing over and over again um and I, yeah I, I think I pride myself in you know adjusting adapting to the game what's presented towards you and, and kind of taking that in stride and um you know I think that's kind of Help me at least get to the to the point I'm at right now, and then obviously you know developing bigger, better skills, learning with the game. The game changes every year. Obviously, that you know this it's, year, for uh, sure. yeah. Obviously, it's becoming more apparent to uh, to everyone how quickly the game changes. But just in game playing, game style, you know, pitchers are throwing harder. Pitchers are learning what you know how to manipulate pitches way more than years past, just with technology alone. So. I mean, you have to adapt and adjust, or the game's going to chew you up and swallow you out, I think. You mentioned compete, and your pinch hitting role last, I mean, it was bonkers. Like, yeah. It seemed like you were getting hit every time you came off the pinch hit. There's the, com there's the compete, there's the, you know, the competitive nature that you have what what do you make what do you think made you such a good pinch hitter last season yeah well i appreciate that first of all the numbers don't lie yeah, yeah thank you um I, I think a lot of that was preparation for me i, I think that's kind of it it, it made me pinch hitting super super tough you're sitting on a bench it's, it's too it's tough for anybody right you're sitting on a bench for two two plus hours um and then you're coming in facing a guy that is 97 usually right um so a lot of the times I would do, I, I pride myself in the homework and, and kind of seeing how they attack certain hitters that are similar to me, uh, what their strengths are, um, you know, back to the game situation. If there's a base open, are they going to start nibbling? Uh, I, I think that idea of understanding a game plan that I'm going to be attacked on and realizing my strengths and the pitcher's strengths and putting that all into one. Um, I think that helped me out a lot. I never felt like I wasn't prepared, and I think if you know, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. So it's um, that's a huge one for me. It's kind of it's not a bunch of on-field stuff. I think your swing is your swing when you get to this point in, in your career. Obviously, there's minor adjustments here and there, but I wasn't the kind of guy that took that needed like 50 swings in the cage before I go hit. It was I'm loose. I'm on time for the fastball. That's another main one. It was you know on time for the heater. If you're not on, if you're late, you have no chance. Um, so.
being on time for the heater, getting my body loose, and doing my homework was was instrumental in, in the success that I had last year in pinch hitting, for sure. All right, I think that's a perfect segue into what I think a lot of people are waiting for me to ask you about, about yeah. Aurelis Chapman in 2020. <laughs> um, so I've got it pulled up here the entire at-bat. Okay. And what I ask of you to do, um, you can pause it as you wish. You can let it play as you wish. Right. But we've got the full 10 pitch here. Describe what you're seeing. And for the folks who are listening on the podcast, I encourage them to check it out on YouTube. I'll have this shared as a social clip. But uh, describe what you're seeing. You can pause, play as much as you wish. Sure. Brewers fans will certainly know the voice. That's the play-by-play announcer. And that's Brian Anderson, of course. But we can talk a little bit about 2020. But let's just start with this at bat, the legendary home run you hit off of Aroldis Chapman. So just go ahead and right. take us through it. And here, I'll turn the volume down here, but okay. uh, just pause and play as needed. All right, so initially, start right off the bat before he even throws a pitch. Um, I faced him last night, um, or the night before. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen him, you know, played you know, in the AL East for, you know, three years or two years going into the season, 1920, and um, never saw him with my own eyes go back-to-back days. So that was one thing that I was conscious of um, and realized, like, just, you know, if pitchers don't do things consistently, they might be a tad off. Obviously, he's still going to have his heater. Is he going to have his location? Um, so going into this first pitch of this at bat it was almost an auto take kind of make sure my timing is down for the fastball obviously so I'm timing it up but I want to see it out of his hand I want to see if he's got that release point that I'm you know that I studied and have seen before um so, but to that point unfortunately it was probably the best pitch to hit in the entire at bat so I'm timing it up and that's first pr- pitch first, fastball, fi- first pitch third. fastball inner third yeah so uh, the night before, he got me with a fastball up. Um, I think it was 2-2, 100 at the top of the zone. Really tough to get on top of against a guy like Chapman. So I was kind of, you know, hitting myself a little bit for having the auto-take mentality. But at the same time, that's why you get three. So, um, yeah, so that was the mentality. First pitch was, you know, see this velo, see if he's got his command, obviously, that pitch tells me that he's locked in and ready to go. So before you go to the next pitch, the television shows the throw and the the, the backstory. That that can't creep into your head when you're stepping into the box in this situation, right? Like, what? what how do you block that out mentally? Yeah. Or did, did it creep into your head? No, I mean, it didn't creep in my head. Obviously, it's a it's a big conversation point for a lot of people. Um, you know, it was talked about a lot that year. Just we, had, I mean, it was a lot of drawn back and forth between the Rays and, and the Yankees um, that whole entire year. So, with that piled on to kind of leading into this, you know, Game Five, do or die game. You know, everything on the line. Um, there was definitely conversation going into the game. I knew I wasn't starting. They had Cole going, so there was a pretty high opportunity or pretty high chance that I was going to see, you know, either at Britain or Chapman at some point in the game. Um, and it happened to be Chapman. And you know, I had a couple buddies come up, and one of the coaches that was the, with the alternate side, so a lot of our staff was there, and um, you know, AAA coaches. I remember Brady Williams um, said, you know, he came up to me before the game was like you know you're gonna you're gonna face this guy and and whatever so it it happened and you know just the baseball gods always watching where you know it it came down to this you know moment um and so yeah it was yeah so go back to the video here oh let me get that play button there we go so yeah here's the 
Yeah, three over the head. That was also an auto take. <laughs> yeah, your auto take. Yeah, oh god, was, oh, yeah, yeah. I was coming <laughs> off the bench that game, and you know, hundred from the left side. So, I think luckily it was an auto take, or else I might have stayed in there a little bit more. So this pitch is back to what I was mentioning from the previous day. Going into that bat, I realized he wants me to chase at you know the top of the zone, high velo, good spin rate guy. Um, Told myself going into that bat, that was the one I'm laying off of. So like, I'm got the, I got the timing down, first pitch, got the heater down, um, release point, and telling myself like, hey, see the ball down, look at, see the ball down. And unfortunately, I did exactly what he wanted me to do. 99 at the top of the zone. Um, you can kind of see a little bit if I bring it back like two seconds. Um, there's a little head nod after I swing at it. That's like right there. It's like why? Did uh, I, why did I do that? It's like I'm, you got to be better than that. That's exactly what he wants you to do. Lock it back in. So I think um, even though I did do exactly what he was trying to get me to do and swing at the top of his zone, um, that was more so of like now I'm like double reassuring myself. I never didn't. I didn't feel un like uncomfortable. I didn't feel nervous or anything like that. That was more of like okay, I messed up. I did what he wanted me to do. There's no way I can do it twice now. I, I, I didn't want to do it the first time, but now I'm definitely not chasing. Um, so it was almost that like kind of like subconscious feeling. Like it was almost like zoomed in even more. It was like I'm already locked in, but like now it's like it's 0-2 against this guy in game five. So It's, it's the zone, is it not? It's, yeah, yeah. It, you, got, you tapped into the zone. It, yeah, it was a little – I mean, I don't want to say it was a little out of body, but it was like – it was that feeling of like almost like euphoria. It was like it, it slowed down almost. Everything kind of like zoned in to where I don't even know if I like saw the other people. Like it was just me and him. It was like man, like competing, competing, mano y mano. Like I'm in a bad spot already behind the eight ball, 0-2. Um, so it's like this is this is do or die. So that's kind of the feeling that I remember going back when I look at this at bat. It was like the. I look like I'm in a bad spot 0-2, but I felt even more comfortable than I did 0-0 because I didn't even have the timing down. Um, so this third pitch, okay, so before that. So the third pitch ended up being a splitty. Previous at bats against Chapman my entire career, anytime I got to two strikes, I remember him going immediately to the slider. So I was, even though I, you know, 0-0, heater in her third, 98, 99, whatever, 01 fastball at the top of the zone 99. I was still in like I'm on time for the heater, but I'm looking slider here um, just because based on history and like I said, like the homework and how I've been attacked by certain guys, you know, where you know I think there's tendencies there, and and I was sitting on it. This one ended up being the splitter that he ended up um, kind of forming. I think it was this year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If I remember correctly, he had really good statistics on it, and, mm -hmm. and it, was, it wasn't hit very often or very hard at all the entire year, but there's no way I'm sitting on splitter um, just because I haven't seen it before. I'm sitting slider, saw it out of the hand. That was off speed. Didn't see it come back into the zone, so I kind of, like, I, it did freeze me a little bit. If it was a slider, I think I would have been on time, but just because I saw off speed, release point, um, didn't even know it was a splitter until the catcher caught it, honestly. So luckily it didn't come back as much as he might have wanted to. But if it was a slider, I think I, I might have been on time for it um, just because that's what I was looking for right there. Um, so thankfully, the ump, you know, it was a ball off and the ump got it right. So now we're at 1-2. And um, 
I'm back locked in on the heater now at this point because I see the off speed. Um, and I'm see, I'm trying to make sure that's a, that's a splitter grip. So I, like I said, I see the ball pop a little bit and my eyes get a little bit bigger because I'm sitting off speed already, but it wasn't the off speed I was sitting for. So like I said, a little bit of a freeze, kind of froze me a little bit, but stuck to the game plan. So one, two, he comes back to the heater and I see it up. So that was, that was another moment where it was even kind of like more zoned in. Um, it was, I'm sitting heater again. I'm kind of, I want to say I'm, I'm a little step ahead of, not, like I'm a step ahead of the game plan. I, I feel like I, I was approaching each pitch um, and I guess educated guessing what he's coming with. Um, so spit on the off speed. He's going to come back to what I originally thought going into that bat was that elevated heater at the top of the zone. This one was a little bit higher than he probably wanted it to go, but out of the hand, I, you know, high release point heater, ball, it just ended up being way up. So that's another good feeling when you have like that auto take kind of out of the hand, you know what you're looking for, you get it, and you lay off. Um, felt really good here. Going forward, still haven't seen the slider, like I mentioned before, that he's thrown me pretty much in every at-bat before this. Uh, so I from here on out, kind of sit in slider. Um, and he actually, he, he throws a really good slider here, kind of back foot. Yeah, how'd you hit that? Man? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think the only reason I do hit, I did hit there, even make contact with it was because that's kind of the, the pitch I was sitting on. I think, he, I don't think he was going to double up uh, with two strikes with the elevated heater. Um, I think he, you know, that wipeout slider was a disgusting pitch for him. So I know he's attacked me with that before. He buried it. He threw it right where he wanted to throw it. I was lucky enough to kind of just tick, give it a little tick, and, and on to the next one. Wait for that mistake. Um, and, and it honestly like freaks out a catcher. Was oh, he he hit the nasty slider for sure. We we might be freaked out now for sure. Um, so now yeah, so now it's kind of that's a good pitch that I should have probably put a little bit you know catch it a little bit more out front. Ninety nine um, outer you know half. I mean kind of right down the middle, but. That's a pitch I'd probably want back. But also seeing, you know, splitter, slider, elevated heater. So, you know, the timing is – it's tough to time 99 anyway, especially with a guy that's, you know, 6'6", six, six, whatever, yeah. and he's throwing from like 30 feet away from you. So by the time he's releasing it. Um, so, yeah, each pitch, I mean, you, you, you hear it every day in baseball where, you know, the longer they have bat, the more timing, the more comfortable you get in the plate. Um, it's a pitch I probably want back, but again, we're still getting on time for the good one. Um, That's a hell of a take. And that was, yeah, and that that was something where that was a take that a lot of people think I, that I got froze on, but I think I saw that one pretty good, man. I, I think I, I realized that he's trying to come back with the heater. He doesn't want to get beat with the off speed. Nobody, no pitcher wants to get beat with their secondary pitch. This is his bread and butter. Um, I'm looking more you know, outer third, outer half, and I kind of see like a yank out of the hand a little bit. Um, I I personally think it was a good take. Uh, I think most people would probably say I got froze a little bit, but I think looking back on the film, maybe, uh, I don't know, I, I tend to disagree. That slider right there, so before that pitch, back-to-back uh, -back heaters, um, 99, 101s, you know, follow one straight back, good take on 101 in, um, I'm thinking slider there. So, like, like I said, each pitch, I kind of get more of a feel, get more of a time. That slider, I kind of yank foul. Um, 
And the, that was a big pitch, I think, in this entire bat. I think there's a couple more pitches after that. But mm-hmm. that yanked foul, I think that scares any pitcher. Like I said, no pitcher wants to get beat on their secondary. You see good barrel path. You see good you know, ball flight. Obviously yanked super foul. But at the same time, like, the visual is there. Like, if you hang that, if I keep the hands in a little bit more, that you know, no pitcher wants to get beat on secondary. So yes, keep the hands in a little bit more. You throw that same pitch, there might be a different result, especially if you throw it, you know, just after that one. So I already saw it. You know, catcher pitcher knows I saw it. Um, you know, keep your hands in a little bit more. There might be a different result. So from here on out, after I yank that or pull that slider, it was all fastballs from yeah. here on out. So that's exactly what I'd be thinking yeah. as a catcher mm-hmm. is okay. He's seen it twice, and he's hit it both times, mm-hmm. and. Look, he's been uncomfortable with heaters. I don't know how he took that one-on-one on the corner, didn't right. get the call, whatever. Like, let's just beat him with our best. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, as the at-bat unfolds. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't get, he, yeah, he beat him with his yeah, best. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about the splitter again because I knew that was, like, a 3% pitch that he threw. Slider, you know, contact back-to-back. Hmm. So, a heater from there on out. And I think that was a really good, you know, you follow it straight back. Same spot as, the, you know, a couple pitches ago, the 99. Um but that's one I think I even gave. Um, there might be a little another head nod there uh, after this one. If yeah, I think see. that was like right there. Yeah. That, there's like a little head nod. I don't even like going back on these videos. It's kind of funny to watch because you don't realize you're doing it in the moment. But I remember after I followed it straight back, where I was like that like i got this now like i got the heater timing i'm seeing the slider out of the hand i'm not even thinking about the splitter again because i'm i highly doubt that he's going two splitters in the same at bat just because it was such a new pitch so i'm canceling out the slider that last foul ball straight back um foul ball straight back and now we got like on time for the heater and i so if you notice so i leg kick the entire at bat and then this one i kind of do a little um Little, little uh, abbreviated one, not abbreviated. It was like a uh, like a toe tap. Uh, toe tap. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, so, and I've never practiced that in my life. I still to this day I don't know why I toe tapped, but I remember that I was just a tad late on that previous pitch. I'm on, like I feel like I'm time for the heater, but I need to get on time more if I want to do damage and like connect out front, have a good contact point. So I started. A little. I started my gather a little bit sooner than the previous pitches in, in this entire at bat, and he exaggerated his late kick a little bit more. So I was almost too early, if mm. that makes sense. So I think that toe tap kind of like just came in natural, where like I was gathering so early, but I couldn't hold that backside, so I had to reset almost. Um, and that's what you'll see here. So like this toe tap. So right there oh wow i never noticed that yeah so i've never in toe tapped in my life it was one of those things where i was just trying to get a touch earlier and then i saw as he was gathering that it was more exaggerated so i i had to reset a little bit and it kind of just flew into it and you know luckily he he threw it kind of low and in right into the swing path and yeah do you remember any of this from the moment you touch home plate do you remember anything that happened (laughs) no i remember the the funny thing about this handshake with willie ironically he's over here now we talked about this handshake literally the day before, like that day, like in the clubhouse. It was, I thought, I told Willie that he was going to hit a home run. He was going to win this game first or something like that, just because he was on a roll. And, you know, he was a spark plug of that, of that team. And 
I just had a feeling about it. So we made a handshake. I was like, you do this today, I'm going to meet you out in the dugout. And then he said the same thing back to me. He's like, all right, well, if I don't, it's going to be you. So we literally created this handshake. It, it's We have it to this day still. Um, and so that's kind of a funny backstory. It's something super quick, but it's a little dance move thing that we do. But uh, so that's, that's kind of, I mean, that's a really special, really cool visual for me to see is like, we like it just it was something that was talked about in the clubhouse you know three hours you know four hours beforehand um and it came to fruition and that's why i think baseball is the greatest sport in the world um but as far as your question i i don't remember anything i just remember getting smacked on the helmet a lot um i think i swallowed my gum and one of these and then water yeah and then yeah the emotion is just through the roof and i'm just trying to get away from everybody because everybody's chest bumping me and grabbing me so <laughs> yeah it was tough to breathe there for a second and uh yeah, once I caught my breath and, and realized that, you know, we were three outs away from advancing, it, it, that was, you know, still got three outs to go. But it, it, that was, that was, I mean, it was, it was a pretty, pretty cool moment, yeah, to that's, this day. Yeah. That's just incredible. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how I can top anything, any of their questions oh, yeah. to top that, but that's one heck of a story. Yeah. Be Hopefully honest, be oh, honest oh, so how much have you watched it since then? Like, how, I don't, okay, honestly, I swear to God, I don't search it for myself. Okay. I get tagged in it. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a very popular you know, topic of conversation that people come up to me with, um, and I don't mind talking about it. I, I like to think I'm of myself more than just like a one-trick pony. I think there's more chapters to the book, and, and that's kind of why I still go about my business the way I do. Um, you know, I just, it's a cool thing to hang your hat on, but also, I, I want to make some more, you know, more moments in, in, in the book of, of Mikey B throughout baseball. But I, I realized that that was obviously, like I said, everything kind of funneled between the Yankees and Rays that whole season, just funneled into that moment. I realized how big of a, a you know, a story that was undrafted guy, you know, best closer in the game, you know, John back and forth, two division rivals, game five, elimination game, like storybook stuff. I get that. Uh, I, like I said, I don't mind talking about it, but... Um, I don't, I don't go out and seek it for myself. I like to, you know, I live in the moment. I realize, you know, really, really special moment. I'll never forget it. My family will never forget it. Um, but you know, the next day, baseball is always about the next day. What can you do for me now? So, yeah. Amen to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with two lighter, lighter hearted stuff. Cool. We'll get you out of here. All right. Uh, I, I some a birdie in the clubhouse told me to ask you. I think I know the answer to this. What's your favorite restaurant in Arizona? Restaurant in Arizona, or maybe I guess I guess California could count too. Uh, it's a bit of a chain, if you will. Bit of a chain. I think I could probably know where you're going with this. I we, I mean this off season. If you're talking California, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was I was a, a frequent flyer. I. I First time I ever had Nobu. This, well, yeah, I, I know that's where you're going with. Um, I got I had Nobu. I was fortunate enough to to get the opportunity to go there, and I instantly fell in love and oh, found, I can see found why. yeah and found every opportunity ever <laughs> for the rest of the off season to go back to it. So, like I said, I got some frequent frequent flyer miles there, there this off season. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, in this one, I will not reveal my source on this for sure, uh, but I think I know you know who it is. Do you still snore? Are you still? Are you <laughs> yeah. still a big time snorer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. So I actually, I got, I got, I did some research, did some homework for myself. Okay. Um, I do know where that source came from. I'll give you a little backstory. I, I have nightmares of this to this day. My freshman year in college, I roomed with our Friday night starter, and he, um, he was like a fifth year guy. Uh, just you know, he was that seasoned vet in college, and I'm wide eyed freshman for sure. And you, you share a room, and 
I've never been told this before, and obviously maybe because I'm an only child or something, but like I never knew that I snored that bad. <laughs> but apparently, I don't know if it was allergies, I don't know if it was nerves, whatever it may be, but our Friday night starter, which is like the catalyst and the guy you like want to have a good night's sleep, I, I remember like waking up to pillows being thrown, like bars of soap. Like I got woke up. I had a team or I had a meeting with my manager the next day. He was like, "This can't happen. Like you're fresh. Like what do you want me to do? Like nobody wants to room with you." I'm like freaking out over here. Like this, I'm absolutely mortified. And he's like, "I can't just give you your own room. Like we don't have that in the budget." I'm like, "I don't know what to do." So I kind of I I don't know what I don't remember what I did, but I knew something had to change. I got like my tonsils removed that off season. I was trying everything in the book. Um and now I have like a, a little bed that kind of like elevates a little bit. It's like that airway. I put some mouth tape on and yeah, we try to breathe through the nose now. Big, there we go. big breathe guy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Control so, your breathing. That's all it is, right? That's all it is. So as somebody who used to snore, I, I can relate. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. me it was the tonsils that got rid of it for me. Yeah. So. I would have I was hoping that would have done it too. And I think it did for like, you know, six months. And then, I guess I'm gonna blame it on allergies. I don't think I snore yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blame it on allergies. Yeah, yeah, traveling a lot. Yeah, it's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. But definitely not as bad as back in the day in co- in college. And um, I I appreciate your source bringing that up. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. I think you need to call your source and yeah. tell them like, hey, what the heck, man. Uh, well, dude, thank you so much for the time, Mike. Yeah. Wish you all the best, good health this season, yeah. and thanks for spending some time with Brewers fans here on WTMJ. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's fun, fun time.